You're listening to the podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, with Valerie Koo and Allison Tate. Valerie is an author, journalist, and national director of the Australian Writers Centre, which is one of the world's leading providers of online and classroom courses for people who want to get published and write with confidence. Alison Tate is a freelance writer, blogger, and author of the best-selling series The Mapmaker Chronicles. She has more than 20 years' professional writing experience. Each week, they explore the world of writing, publishing, and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers, and much more. With students enrolling from all over the world, you can find out more about the Australian Writer Centre at writercentre.com.au. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 222 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Alison Tate. How are you, Al? I'm very well. I've just had this two, two, <laughs> two in my mind. It's like check one, two, two. I've been to lots of gigs lately, so I think that's what, what I'm, I've got that. Yeah, lots and lots of gigs. Two, two, two. <laughs> um, okay. Do you know why they pick that number to get stuck on <laughs> at gigs? I think it must be one of those sounds that pops, you know, two, yeah, two, two, <laughs> must be. I don't know. You, I'll ask next time I'm at a gig, I'll check for and you. Why I, don't I, you explain I, to people why you've been at gigs? Oh, well, I've been to gigs for lots of reasons. I've been to gigs because uh, my son, Book Boy, has been gigging relentlessly and he's. Mm. I sent him a list today. I've become the mummager, as we've all discussed, and it's really not a role that sits well with me. But I had to send him a little list today of his, um, his gig calendar, would you believe, mm. because as I pointed out to him, he needs to keep track of when he's got gigs and things on because he has homework to fit in. <laughs> so yes. it's... I'm like, you know, like we spent much of the weekend away and I said to him, you know, you need to keep track of what's going on here because you've got to be able to fit your English assignments in around your um, around your gigs and things like that. Um, so, yes, that's one of the reasons. But let me just talk about this for a moment. I went to see Neil Finn at Taronga Zoo. I had a creative date on the weekend with my entire family and um, one of the things we did was to go and see Neil Finn at Taronga Zoo, which was just incredible because I think he's wow. an amazing songwriter. Um, and the joyous thing about going to, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those gigs, so it's a bit of a palaver to get there. This is the twilight yeah. at Taronga. And when I yeah. say palaver, it's only because we have to come from the south coast. Um, but it's actually quite easy. You know, you get on your ferry at Circular Quay, you get off, you go to the gig, you get on your ferry, you go home. It's actually not that difficult. But when you've got a truck, you know, two kids and a and a blanket and God knows what else from the south coast, it's all a bit of a, mm. a problem. But um, the brilliant thing about them is that um, they're really kind of relaxed. They're not too crowded. It's quite a small space that you're actually all sitting in and you take your picnic rug and you do, do your thing. Um, but... Most people who go to them, well, the ones I've been to might just be the ones I'm choosing to go to, are just happy to sit in their little chairs or sit on their picnic blanket or whatever and watch the whole thing. So if you happen to be a 14-year-old boy who wants to stand in the front row and practically sit on Neil Finn's lap the whole Mm. time, (laughs) you can really, really easily. Yeah, like you you just – it's kind of like particularly at the start – you know, my boys and my husband, who is also liking to sit on Neil Finn's lap, was um, <laughs> right down the front and they were practically like up his nostrils. It was hilarious. And that's how close you can get and it's incredible. It was amazing. It was fantastic. But we also went to the Dutch Masters at the New South Wales Art Gallery, which is closing oh, wow. soon, and it was also fab. So we went oh, to yeah. see 
Yeah, all of us. Oh, it's one in all in with us. We do creative dates a go go. Um, we went to um, so we went to see Rembrandt, and uh, but there were maps. There were these fantastic antique maps there. So I was oh, wow. really happy. I was so happy. I had a great time. It was a very busy weekend, but it was amazing. So I recommend both of those things if you happen to be in Sydney. Were the maps by Rembrandt or they just happened to be there? No, 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 because it was Dutch masters, so it was like the golden age of, of right. sort of Dutch art. It was just beautiful, so much, so many beautiful um, works in there, like really old school. So you kind of, you know, it's a different – I mean, I think the last one we went to was John Olson, so it was a slight, you know, slightly different set of circumstances to that. And I have to say that my youngest son, who's 11, um, was just, who are all these old dead people? Like it was just <laughs> – Wow. So he spent most of the time sitting on one of those lovely, comfy, padded seats in the middle of the room, um, drawing his own works. <laughs> he was quite happy to do that. He was just sketching Dutch villages and having a great time. I love time. how but you're yeah. doing creative dates with the whole family. I'd never, I would never even think of that, but that's awesome. Well, no, it's really good. We take them to, I mean, honestly, like I do my author talks. It's so funny because we, I go along to these schools and I talk about where the inspiration for my books come from and we go through all this stuff. And one of the things I talk about is how, you know, with the, the Mapmaker Chronicles, the inspiration came from this night that I dragged my poor, long-suffering oldest son out into the backyard to look at the stars. Um, and then I also point out that I'm, you know, as well as being that mum, I'm also the mum that drags you through a million dusty old exhibitions um, and various other things as well because I, I just think it's um, – you just don't know – I mean, I just think it's great to see this stuff. I think if you, yes, if you're, definitely. you know, have you got the slightest bit of creative bent in you that just being exposed to these kinds of things, it doesn't really matter. We've been taking them to things since they were so, and since they were really little. And um, it's it's funny because the youngest one, Book Boy Junior, is uh, mm-hmm. most definitely more of the sporting kind of guy. So we go to those as well. Like we do the sports as well. Um, so him in these exhibitions is just hilarious. He just sits there going, I could draw on the walls, mum. This could be, <laughs> I could be wow. doing that. Um, well, yeah, so that's speaking, speaking of art galleries, just mm. a big hello to everyone in Brisbane because I'm going to be holding a meetup for any listeners and also any other members of the community uh, next week. That is Thursday the 22nd of February in an art gallery in Brisbane. And so I'll be cool. doing Yeah, it should be fun. And it's in Paddington in Brisbane and it's called Aspire Gallery. So um, we'll put the link in the Facebook group. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, then make sure you join. Um, Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook. Um, So it's in Paddington at a place called Aspire Gallery at 11 o'clock and I'm going to be giving a talk on how to be a writer slash artist slash creative while you have a day job. And, oh, what um, a great talk. Yeah, it should be it should be fun. And it, I know that a lot of people are thinking, oh no, they need to jump and actually take the leap in full time to to explore their creative pursuits. But you don't. You can totally no. do it part-time or you can totally do it while you have a day job. I had a day job for many years while I was pursuing my own creative interests and it worked perfectly fine. And so, yeah, that's, that's what the talk is about, how to be a writer slash artist slash creative uh, while you have a day job. It's really short and succinct as you can see. <laughs> we look I think it's great. 
it's going to be what else happens at meetups is there an opportunity to for everyone to talk to each other and drink wine yes. and throw so, peanuts well, and stuff well it's at 11 so there's not going to be wine at 11 what? um oh. no uh so it'll be you know 45 minute talk 15 minute q and a and then after that I'm going to have, uh, and then that it'll officially end in case people need to go. But I'm for anyone who wants to stay. I'm going to hold like a ask me anything for anyone oh. who wants to ask. Get me into anything. it, people! Don't miss this opportunity. <laughs> you can fling apostrophes at her from a distance. It'll be lovely. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll catch them because you know I don't like them being misused. All right, so. <laughs> Let's. Move I have to on. say something. No, we're not oh, moving yes. on yet. Oh, yeah, not on. I forgot to mention. I got so carried away with my creative days that I forgot to mention that I'm excited, Val. Oh, tell me why you're excited. I'm excited because it's six weeks until the Book of Answers is released in Australia on the 27th of March. Six weeks. No it's way. practically here. How did, that come, how did that come around so quickly? Six weeks. I don't know, but it's kind of weird. I, I realised I kind of realised a couple of days ago that it was six weeks, and I suddenly thought, "Oh, six weeks! I better do something." So now I'm sort of thinking about wow. what I need to do to well, actually case, kind of promote the book. In case there are some new listeners, can you just give us some context as to what the Book of Answers is about? Oh, okay. So the Book of Answers is the second book in the Adaban Scyther series. So the first book, The Book of Secrets, came out uh, in Australia in September last year, 2017. And now six months later, here comes The Book of Answers. So if you haven't read The Book of Secrets yet, you need to get yourselves a copy you because you can't read the answers first. It's actually very important <laughs> that you read these two books in order. Or you could wait till that. If you, I, I do know people who won't buy a book until the whole series is there ready to go because they don't mm. like to have to wait, the which wait, is totally fine. But the story, this particular story finishes with the book of answers. So feel free to buy both. Absolutely go nuts. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's about a mysterious manuscript that's all written in code. Um, and of course, in the book of answers, all shall be revealed, but it's, uh, it's very exciting. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. I just, I could just get excited every time the thought of having a, a new book out. But the thing is, yes. when you have your book coming out in six weeks, the reality is that you actually finished that book and sent it to the publisher ages ago, right? So have you oh, kind of wow. forgotten it? So long ago. So long ago. I'm you actually know, like, trying to think about when it was sent to the, yeah, to when the was uh, it? publisher. Well, the original manuscript was sent, oh, I don't even remember. I mean, I remember doing the final edits on it around so about the same the time edit? as Book of Secrets came out. So that was six months ago okay, that I did the so final six, edits six on it. Six months ago, you, you put the final edits in and you actually put it in. And, you know, I know that when I write, say, my freelance articles, I once I file them, I do not think about them again. Is it weird, mm. like, all this time later to then go, oh, yeah, that, like, I've got to do something yeah. right now. It sort of is weird. It actually is quite strange. And and I'm a little bit the same because I've always had that same approach with the features articles. And I have to say that with the, the Mapmaker Chronicles series coming out in the US last year, like mm. several years after it came out in Australia, that was me having to remember, you know, people were asking me questions about things that happened in the books. And I was a bit like, 
Yeah, really? Did that happen? And I had to actually go and and look it up and see exactly what the (laughs) context was for that particular set of circumstances (laughs) because it's been a while and it's a lot of words. So, you know, and I I think we talked about this once before, but sometimes when you're writing these things too, it it feels like it's kind of coming from other – like I read over stuff in the edits even and think, wow, okay, where did that come from? Um, Because I don't even remember writing it, so let alone, you know – what I was thinking at the time I wrote it, which was yeah. probably not much. So yeah, so it's, it is an interesting process, but um, it's exciting, and I've you know like I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this one coming out because I think it's um, I, yeah, I'm really proud of these two books. I'm very proud of them. So I'm I'm really hoping that um that everybody loves the book of answers as much as they have loved the book of secrets. So there you I'm are. sure we will. I cannot wait to read it. Cannot yes. wait. So Good. exciting. All right, let's move on to um, you have a link from Gracie. Oh, I do. And speaking of um, getting excited about new things, um, I got this uh, a, a little letter from Gracie um, who is from, is uh, in the oh, – she's in New Zealand. There you go. She's a huge fan of the podcast, so thanks very much for that, Gracie. And, and she's also yes. – she's a YA writer based in Auckland um, and she loves the fact that, you know, we help to keep her motivated, which I find – that's great. I'm really pleased about that. Sometimes I wonder. Yes. We do so much chatting about blah, blah, blah. That how do we keep people motivated? But there you go. Anyway, she, she was writing to let me know about a new project that she's begun with some of her writing friends. Um, and it's a book discovery tool. It's called Love at First Chapter. Hashtag oh, Love at First Chapter like it um and you can sign up to the the website uh which is love at first chapter.com um and then you'll receive for free the first chapter of a curated ya book every two weeks go straight to your inbox and you can read the first chapter and if you don't like it delete the email but if you love it you can purchase the whole book um, you know, easily through the links that come in the newsletter because, you know, that you we all know the importance of that first chapter in grabbing a reader um, and um, I think it's a really – I think it's a great idea. I think it's a really exciting idea. And so um, if you'd like to have a little bit uh, of a look uh, at more of it, it's launching soon and it's loveatfirstchapter.com. So and good luck with it all, Gracie. Yeah, and a whole bunch of authors from all over the world, from Toronto, from Silicon Valley, from the UK, from Northern Virginia, from um, Ottawa. It's like, yeah, not just New Zealand, from Perth. Uh, and uh, it sounds yeah, great that they've banded together to do this very clever, great initiative. Yeah, it's right. terrific. Let's move on to a link that I have found on um from the writing cooperative and it's called how to write for yourself when you write for a living. Now I thought this was particularly interesting because there are some people who do write for a living, like they are technical writers or they have to write as journalists uh, as, as we did for many years during the day, or they have to, you know, write tender reports and proposals and stuff. And so some people I meet say that they do do their own professional writing during the day. And so they find that they, they think that they're, written out when it comes to doing their fiction, even though fiction is obviously very different. They kind of think the last thing I want to do is look at a computer screen or I feel that I can't do my fiction because I do so much writing in the day, it's like I have no more words left. And for that I say, well, you know, when you have more children, you don't suddenly run out of love. You you have an unlimited 
amount of words, just like you have an unlimited amount of love for your children or care for your children, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that people uh, mistakenly think that there's this finite pool of creativity or finite pool of words anyway. Um, mm. And I guess it boils down to your motivation as well. So these are just some tips from this post, which is from the Writing Cooperative. And the first is write for yourself in the mornings. Now, I know quite a lot of people who do have full-on jobs, whether they're writing related or not, but they decide they wake up at five or whatever time that works for you. I'm never going to wake up at five, but whatever time works no. for you and write for an hour be- over breakfast or before breakfast. They just carve out that time, they keep that time sacred, and they make sure that's when they write for, your- for themselves. But the other one that I think that is really useful as well is to set yourself deadlines. And I love mm-hmm. that because I love, for example, when we spoke to um, Shelley Unwin, um, she said that she wanted to be a published children's book author before her 40th birthday. And she got there two months early. Um, oh. And, but, but a lot of people don't set themselves a deadline. They don't kind of think, I'm going to complete 50,000 words by March or whenever, you know, it is, they just think they'll just keep on writing. Whereas um, if they have some kind of um, goal, actual tangible goal, not just finish the manuscript, but finish the manuscript by a certain date, then you're far more likely to reach that that date. I think your goals always need to have deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you also uh, wrote professionally, um full-time, when you started writing your fiction, what are some of your tips? Hmm, interesting. It is a difficult thing because you do, like, well, you know, my thing has always been the paid work comes first and that's always been the way that I've had to arrange my writing time because at the end of the day, particularly once I added children into the mix, Mm. um, you know, that you've got this, you know, finite amount of day and you need to basically make sure that you get the paid work done and then it's a matter of, of, um, of working on your own stuff. So for me, uh, there's no way that I will ever write in the mornings. So my, uh, my way of, of making sure that I got my, my fiction writing done was to do it at night. I did it when everyone else had gone to bed. I did it when the house was silent. I did it when there weren't going to be any interruptions and no one else needed me. Cause that's the thing. It's always that notion of, Oh, someone's going to call out. Someone needs something. Someone needs a honey sandwich. I mean, whatever, you know, there's always something. So, um, it was a matter of working out what time was going to work best. Oh, honey, I don't know where I got that from. It's just so random. Um, avocado sandwich, better. Um, so there was always going to be something. So for me, it worked best to do it at night um, because that was that was time that was definitely nobody else's but mine, and that that was a really important thing. Um, and then it was a matter, I think, of just. Uh, give, well, there's there's a whole range of things that need to go on. You need to prioritise it, so you're going to have to give something up. So I had to give up, you know, terrible late night television, which wasn't such a you know, such a bad thing for anybody concerned. There was a little bit of giving up on sleep as well, but that wasn't so bad because I've always had a bit of insomnia, so that was not so difficult. Um, but I guess it was that whole thing too of just. I was just so in love with the projects that I, w- that I was writing. Like for me, mm. it didn't feel like more work. I, and I guess that's what you need to, to try to, um, 
to, yeah. to, to get yourself into the mindset of this is not this is not actual um, work. So whether it's you do it somewhere else in the sense that you don't sit at the same computer, you go and do it somewhere else, um, or maybe it's just a matter of I always made sure that there was a break, a good break between the end of my writing day, which was you know features, cop, you know copywriting, corporate writing, whatever it was I was doing at the time. Um, there was a good solid break. And then it was right now I'm going to work on my story. Um, I never put any pressure on myself to be like, I've got to write a thousand words. Um, And I know that that works for some people. Um, I know Kylie Ladd won't go to bed unless she's written a thousand or two thousand words or whatever it is. That doesn't work for me. I just, I just go with whatever flow I have going that day. So if I sit down and I write 300 words and I just feel like it's just really super hard work. I go, okay, well, there's 300. I'm going to bed. Um, I write until I run out of things to write. So I think that, you know, some days that's 1500, 2000 words, and some days that's 300, but it's just that whole sense of little by little chipping away at it. Here's 300, here's 300, here's 300, here's 1500. Great. Um, and, and adding to it on a daily basis. But yeah, I, it's, is to me they were always it was always a separate part of my brain somehow that was working on fiction because it was it was my hobby it wasn't yeah and 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 therefore it didn't carry the pressure as well Mm. there was just that thing of like I was writing this story I didn't really know what was going to happen this is particularly the first one I ever did I didn't really know what was going to happen with it I didn't know if it was ever going to be published or anything like that but it was just that whole tinkering away trying to work out how to write a book because that's what your first one really is and in retrospect it's definitely what your first one is is working out how to get a book together um so yeah I just it was it was never that sense of of uh it was a, it was a, I was felt like I was using a different part of my brain almost, I guess, mm. maybe. Interesting. Mm. So the, the mm. other thing that I think can be useful is, um, uh, one of the final points in this post is change the way you talk about yourself. And I think that that's really important because if somebody, if you meet at someone at a party or a barbecue or whatever, a dinner party, and they say, oh, what do you do? Or what are you working on at the moment? And you talk about, you know, the big tender proposal that you just wrote or Mm. the technical document that you just created that your boss loved, that's fine. But maybe if you change the way you talk about yourself and instead talk about the work of fiction that you're currently completing or that you're working on or whatever, that just changes the energy around the way you see yourself and the priority that you're giving that particular project. I think that – you know, because I've had a number of career changes. I started life as an accountant, and then I went to PR, then I went into writing for, you know, decades. And then um, more recently, I've discovered painting. And I went to this um, birthday, like a barbecue kind of birthday a couple of weeks ago. And I didn't know this person. I mean, I knew this person, but I didn't know any of his friends because he's my partner's friend. And I Mm. didn't know any of his friends at all. So I had, there's a lot of you know, small talk, getting to know you kind of people. And so someone said, oh, what do you do? And for the first time in my life, I said, oh, I'm an artist. And I don't know if the words just popped out of my mouth. And I went, oh, that sounded really weird, I said in my, to myself. But when I, you, I, you find that when you start saying things out loud, you do change the your own perception of yourself. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. – Forcing yourself to say things out loud in that way uh, can be really helpful if that's the way you want to go. So yeah. we'll put we'll put the link in the show notes, uh, which you can find at so you want to be a writer.com.au.
So we have a question um, from a listener. We'll call him Bob. And Bob has published, already published a novel. And um, with the, uh, so he said, I'm very fortunate to have had a novel published with the help of a great agent. However, now I've nearly finished the first draft of my second novel. My agent asked to see it when I'd written 30,000 words, but I feel terrified to show it to her. I'm now out, uh, up to 82,000 words. With my first novel, I didn't even send to an agent till I'd written six drafts and polished it to a state I was really happy with. The idea of showing something so early sends me into a panic. Is it different for subsequent books? Should I throw caution to the wind and show her my terrible first draft? Do you think a good agent would be able to give helpful feedback when I'm really only still finding out my own story? That is an interesting question. Hmm. Hmm. So what did you do with your books? Did Did your agent ever ask to see them like, you know, at a very early stage? Well, I, I think this is an interesting one because the when you are trying to get an agent, it's very important that you have your drafts polished to perfection and that you have your query letter polished <clears throat> to perfection and you want to send off the best possible thing that you possibly can to secure an agent. And then that agent, depending on the kind of agent there are, they are because there are actually two different types of agents. There's a more of an editorial agent who will – have kind of input into what you're doing and will make suggestions. And then there are agents who are very much business agents and they are basically really focused on you create the work and they sell the work. That's that's what their role is. Um, and depending on where you are in your career, it depends on the kind, different kind of agent that you might actually want. That's all an aside. Um, with regards to this question, I think the thing to remember that is that once you have signed with an agent, you're essentially signing into a partnership in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like you're working together to further your career. It bothers me a little bit that you are terrified to show your agent your work at this point um, because I just feel like you need to have the kind of relationship where you have to there's, – there's got to be a certain amount of trust where you send it to them and say, this is really early days, but this mm-hmm. is essentially what I'm doing. This is a bit of a synopsis on where it might go. Um, you know, how do you feel about this as a follow-up to book one? Because that's the thing. The agent is looking at what can she sell? Where can she go with this? Is this a, is this a book that's going to <clears> – <throat> excuse me, build on your career? Because that's what she wants to do is to build on your career. And it's kind of better – to find that out earlier rather than later, if you know what I'm saying. So if yes. you've written, because if you've written, let's just say I wrote the Mapmaker Chronicles as my first as my first book, and then I decided because I had this brilliant genius idea for a I don't know what would it be maybe like a contemporary um, you know YA romance novel as a follow up to that particular thing. Now the agent might come back to me quite early on, like I send her the first three chapters and a synopsis and she goes to me, Al, this is great, but this is not what you need to follow up the Mapmaker Chronicles with. We need to establish you into this, you know, as, as a children's author who can create a whole bunch of different things. This is too much of a departure. Now I am much better off knowing that early at which point I can perhaps shelve, I can either go into a hissy fit and go, this is my artistic genius, or I can shelve 
YA contemporary romance for a while and work on something else that is a better follow-up as an A.L. Tate series, for example, than than the contemporary YA novel might be. Once I've got a little, a few more runs on the board, once I've got sort of like that, that platform going and once I'm established in my area, maybe then I can throw my YA contemporary novel into the mix. So it's a matter of looking at where you are, but really it's important that your agent know where you're at and what you're working on because they want, I mean, their job is to sell you into publishers and that, you know, they make no money unless they do that. So, you know, you kind of do need to work together a little bit um, going forward. So my thought on this would be if you've got 82,000 words of your second novel, you have a fairly strong idea at this point of what it is. And so therefore I think you need to go back to your agent now with what it is that you are working on and have a discussion with her about what she thinks about, you know, mm. the, the direction it's going in. Because otherwise mm. you're going to end up writing 120,000 words and what if she comes back to you and goes, look, you know, Bob, I really don't think I can sell this. Mm. I, and I think that um, it's just important to be honest with your agent and say, you know, yeah. last time when you saw it, I'm guessing, last time when you saw the first uh, novel I'd already rewritten it so many times blah 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 so it re- so this second novel is currently at a really really early stage and uh, of course we actually know Bob's real name but we're just saying using the name Bob to protect his privacy I would just like to say Bob that um you're I think also you need to have more confidence in your writing because you're a brilliant 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 writer absolutely mm. love your writing yeah so yeah. you're probably worrying about nothing is I think I so too and that. I th- it's really important to recognize the fact that agents and publishers recognize first drafts they know what they are what they're looking for is the potential in that like I mm. w- I send first drafts to my publisher now and the discussions we have are this is probably going to change immensely. But, you know, what my publisher is looking for is the idea. She knows, because I've written so many books now, she knows mm. what my process is like. She knows how much work I will put in. She knows how much um, editorial input needs to be done. She knows what the structural edit will be like. So she can look at what I send her and go, oh, yeah, okay, I can see that this is going to work. So give your agent some cred, you know, some credibility in that area as well. Um, she will recognize that it's a first draft. She understands that, but what she's basically looking for is how is this going to follow up Bob's brilliant first book? Mm. All right. Well, we hope you find that useful, Bob. Let's move on to our competition this week. This is pretty cool. It's We have three copies of a beautiful, beautiful book. As soon as I saw this book, I thought, oh, I've got to get this for a giveaway, and we have three copies to give away. It's called The Best of the Best, Australia's Greatest Surf Photographers. So that's right. There's not a lot of words in these. There's a lot of pictures, but they're incredible pictures. So it's, um, yeah, just just gorgeous. Um Ooh fantastic, uh, uh, beautiful images um, of all over the world from Shipsterns to Cloudbreak to Chopu to, you know, North Shore, no doubt, lots of places um, taken by some of these surf photographers who 
you know, I, I sometimes wonder how they get the shot because they're in there, mm, in that I know. In the barrel. I just think. I know. Oh. I don't get it either. It's amazing. Might be a it's fantastic bit of inspiration in there for someone for, you know, stories and things like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So if you want your opportunity to win, then just go to writerscentre.com.au slash win entries close on the 19th of february and if you're listening to this podcast in the future don't worry there'll be some other uh, competition for you to enter but go to writercenter.com.au slash win and now are we ready (laughs) are you ready al for the word of the week Oh, Val, I'm so ready. I'm really glad there was a little discussion in the So You Want to Be a Writer uh, podcast community Facebook group about how incredibly we were whispering in case you heard us, but we were kind of pleased that you've given up on the various language introductions. Why? That was fun, but, yeah, it was a bit Well, yeah, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) A bit laboured, shall we say? Yeah. Anyway, yes, I am so ready. So, okay, you're so ready. So, anima. Oh, I really need to practice these. Yeah, you really Anim do. Animadversion. Animadversion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, you use that? No, I haven't. When would I have ever have used that? Well, you might have. So I this comes so. from the Latin words that mean to turn the mind against and it mm. means to remark critically about something. So you might say her animadversions on eating seafood gave me the impression that she once had a bad experience with it. Or you could use the verb animadverting. The police officer was animadverting on the young criminals that hung around the mall. Animadversion. Mm. So it's like anima, like animal without mm. the no, mm. without the L, um, but with a D, animad. Version, like the mm. word version. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I think I've done it, but I can't say I've ever used the word, shall we say? Your enthusiasm is palpable. <laughs> well, I just. <laughs> I love these words. Anyway, perhaps I have an animate version to the, <laughs> to the really? word of the week. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we'll move on instead to our awesome writer in residence this week, Catherine Pelosi, who I connected with years and years ago when she was an aspiring writer and she has done a number of courses at the Australian Writers' Centre and now she is absolutely taking off. Her debut novel is um, is called Quark's Academy and it is a middle grade novel that is out now and then She's got a whole heap coming up as well. She's got a picture book coming out in August, a junior fiction book coming out in uh, next year. And so this is all exploded for her. So let's have a chat to Catherine Pelosi. Thanks so much for joining us today, Catherine. Thanks for having me, Valerie. Now, you've just released your debut novel and I'm just so excited for you. For readers and listeners who haven't discovered your book yet, tell us what it's about. Sure. Well, it's called Quark's Academy and it's about three science whiz kids. So there's Augustine, Celeste and Oscar and they're spending a week at a very mysterious science academy where they're competing in the best invention competition. But as the week goes on, they uncover a bit of a dark secret that changes everything. 
Wow, I love this. Now, how did this idea eventuate? Like, where did this come from, this story? Yeah, well, a few years ago, I did an astronomy course at the Sydney Observatory, which is such an amazing place. And I had this fantastic professor who was really enthusiastic. And each week I was attending, I just started to think more and more about science and what would it be like to study science every day. And then not only that, but maybe go somewhere where you're creating your own inventions as well. And that's sort of how the idea sparked. And from there, I just kept growing on it and growing on it. And I have to ask, what made you think, oh, I'll do an astronomy course now? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I love science. I mean, I've, I think back at school, I gravitated more towards the arts and English, but I always found science very fascinating. So whenever there's an opportunity to do something fun like that, astronomy, and the Sydney Observatory is just such an amazing place, the building, and mm. I just love it. So I've always wanted to go. And when I saw it pop up, I thought, oh, yes, I'll give it a try. And I'm so glad I did because I got so much out of it. On top of wow. the astronomy, also obviously a book idea. Yeah, fantastic. Now, just take us, give us a little bit of an idea of your background because obviously apart from being interested in science or astronomy, you're interested in writing. So just give us a really quick potted history of your background. Sure. Well, my background's marketing communications. So I've been working in that and I still am for probably 10 plus years. But it was about 10 years ago, I first decided I wanted to write children's books when I was living in London in a very dull office. I started mm-hmm. thinking about writing. And um, when I returned to Australia, I, that's when I actually signed up for the Writing for Children and Young Adults course at the Australian Writers Centre, which was fantastic. But once I finished, I got side tracked again and I started a new job and I sort of let the idea fall away Uh, and then it came back to me. So I did the course again. I did it online, which was the best thing because from that point, I really started focusing on writing and I've been treating it fairly seriously for about five years, still working in marketing communications, but it was about um, four years in that I signed up with an agent. And that's sort wow. of went from there. Yeah. So what brought you back to it? Was it a particular story that you really wanted to tell or did you kind of have some time and uh, from work or what brought you back to to wanting to write for children? I think the uh, I love creative writing and I love coming up with ideas. That, for me, that's the best part. Um, and the the thoughts and the ideas just weren't going away. And I, I have to do something with this. Because it just, it keeps, I'm a sort of person that thinks a lot. So it will keep me up at night. If I don't get it out on the page, it's really for my own, my own well-being that I have to uh, get it down and turn it into something. And why are you interested particularly in writing for children as opposed to, you know, adults or other people? Yeah, I think because children's books, I love how they tackle big themes and important themes, but in interesting and creative ways. And being someone who's uh, creative, I love trying to stretch the imagination and seeing how I can address different topics and themes that are relevant to children. But yeah, in a, in a bit of a fun and yeah, creative, fast-paced way. That's the sort of books I like to read. And so do you have children yourself? I don't, no. Now, I'm a, a godmother and an auntie, but I don't have children. 
Yeah. So one of the most annoying things that I hear people say, and it really annoys me, (laughs) is that as they say, oh, how can you really write for children if you don't have any? What are your comments on that? Yeah, I I have heard that. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't agree at all. I don't, I I think, I mean, we've all been children. You know, I was a child once upon a time and I think that's the most important thing. And for me, the childhood years are about, eight to 12 are my most vivid and I've had so much fun and I had this fantastic next door neighbor and we used to go on adventures and I can tap into that, um, those memories quite easily. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily about having to have your own children. It's just being able to remember what it's like to be a child. And so you said that you can tap into those memories quite easily. Do you have to get do you have to do anything do you have to get into a particular mindset do you have to bring yourself into a particular state or you know remind yourself somehow what did you do on that front uh it's a good question I, I really for me when I start writing I do character profiles so I get really clear on each of uh, the characters and their age, their likes, their dislikes, even their physical attributes. And I just keep going back to that and I'll build on it and I'll add to it as I'm writing. And I find that if I revisit that list and I can get into that headspace quite easily, but I don't have any sort of special technique or anything mm. like that. When you say you write character profiles, practically speaking, what do you actually do? Do you just write words? Do you find pictures? Do you, how, how do you build that character profile and where physically do you store the information on that profile? Maybe it's just in your head or maybe it's in a, a document. I don't know. You tell me. I use a notebook. It's not a fancy process at all. In mm-hmm. fact, if someone saw it, they'd be like, my goodness, what is that? Cause it's just scribble. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I just use a notebook and I put their name in the middle of the page and I'll, I'll just write words around it. It's, it's really quite simple. I know there's all sorts of processes and, uh, you know, programs that people use, but no, I'm, I'm pretty simple with that. I have looked at, um, pictures. Like sometimes I'll jump on the internet and I'll Google images just to get ideas, even for things like hair and eye color or, mm. or nose shape and face shape to get inspiration. But yeah, that's about it. So let's talk about Clark's Academy. Now, when did, can you just give us a bit of a picture of um, from when the idea formed? Obviously, it's sort of the seed was planted when you did the astronomy course, but when you kind of started really thinking this, uh, this is going to be a book and started mapping it out and, and some kind of timeline, like it happened, you know, it started here and then three months later I had a first three chapters or whatever. You know what I mean? Just just take us through kind of the journey and the gestation of the book. Sure. Uh, well, I had the idea at the uh, observatory, but then I spend a lot of time thinking before I actually put the words on the page because I have to be really sure that I'm confident and happy with the idea and it's so much of a commitment to write a book and takes up so much time that I don't like the idea of getting into it and then scrapping it. So I, I do spend a lot of time thinking and just walking around, thinking of the plot and the characters and if it, if I remain excited, I'll, I'll go with it. So that's what happened with Quark's Academy. And then the writing process, uh, to get the first like draft out, it would have been around eight 
to nine months. And during that time, yeah. And during that time, I'm part of a a great writers group. So I would take Mm. different chapters for their feedback, which is so useful. Um, and once I had got it to a stage I was pretty happy with, I shared it with a couple of writing friends who read it from start to finish. And I think that's really important too, to get the, obviously the overall impression. Um, and then I started the editing process, which can take quite a while. So yeah, yeah it's hard, it's hard to say probably about a year and a half, maybe yeah. till com- complete ready for submission. And so you, uh, had to juggle this with a day job um, yes. at this stage. So. Tell us, practically speaking, when did you write during those eight or nine months? When did you write that first draft? Was it, you know, weekends? Did you set times? Did you snatch times? Was there a routine? Was it just whenever? Um, Definitely snatch times. (laughs) So I would go to work an hour early and sit at the cafe across the road. Wow. yeah, and and write and or edit depending on where I was at with the manuscript, mm-hmm. um, and then sometimes I would do it again at lunchtime. So you know, one of the great things is that we can have our laptops, and I'm never without yeah. my laptop in my yeah. handbag, and I'll just pull it out whenever I can. And you know, it was a bit intense at times when I was trying to finish it, but I think you know, and I know um, you and Alison talk a lot about it on the podcast about finding time, and I think that's just so true. You just have to find the time whenever that may be. So mm. yeah, that's and, and then I uh, quite a bit on. No, my you go on. Oh, just yeah, I quite like Saturday mornings for some reason. I'll go down. I like writing in cafes. Yeah. So I'll um, you know walk down and have my coffee and write away. Great. And what did you write on? Like Word, Scrivener, Google Docs? What did you write your first draft in? I use Word. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so I haven't tried. Yeah, pretty standard. I haven't tried any others, but I think because I've used Word for so long, I'm too afraid to try something different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So with this book then, did you – plot out what was going to happen? Did you know what was going to happen already at the end and all the steps in between? Or are you one of these people who wanted to see the story unfold as you were writing it? Well, I used to be a pantser, so I just, <laughs> you know, no planning, but I found myself getting into so many plot knots and problems yes. I couldn't solve. And I, and the time that it takes to undo all that is, it was just becoming ridiculous. So, uh, I am a bit more of a plotter now, but I, I don't plot heavily. I know the beginning, I know the midpoint, and I have an idea of where it's going to end. And I, I write to those points. Mm. Yeah. And obviously this is your first published book, but you've been you obviously wrote other things before this. What sorts of stories were they? And what was the difference in this one that made this the one to break through? Well, I actually started writing picture books. So the first writing group I joined was a picture book writing group, which was so useful in learning how to write. Like, to, mm. I just think it's so challenging to put a whole story in 300 words. So it was sort of mm. like a masterclass of children's writing, I thought. Um, but my ideas seem to bulge beyond those parameters every time. <laughs> so I, yeah, so I started a chapter book writing group and that's when I started to focus more on the older 
uh, readers. And I have written a few other uh, manuscripts and one actually went to acquisitions but didn't quite get through. So I had a bit of encouragement along the way. I think the difference with this one um, is you when you start to get more into writing, I think you get a better understanding of how many elements there are to a story. So mm. when I look back to when I started, it was more about, oh, that's a good idea or that's a good mm. character. Whereas now I'm much more aware of there's plotting, there's pacing, there's character mm. development, language, and you have to get it all right for it to work. Mm. And so I think that's a difference. It's really just a, a better, more experience, better understanding. Yeah. Now, of course, you have done various courses at the Australian Writers' Centre. How have they contributed to your overall writing and your writing career? I have. I've done the copywriting essentials and also the travel writing course. And I, I loved both of those as well. Um, the copywriting one, I, I, cause I do a bit of freelance copywriting as well. And that was great just to help me understand what it involved and how to go about becoming a freelance copywriter. And I have quite a bit of work. F- since doing that course. So that's been fantastic. And the travel writing course, I've had, I think, a couple articles published, but I just don't have the time to focus on it right now. Although I would love to revisit that one day. So I think, yeah, all the courses have been great and just learning the the essentials and also how to go about doing it because it's one thing to learn how to write, but then mm. what do you do? Like I, I would have, I didn't have any idea of how, where do I send my travel article and how do I craft an email or a pitch and all that sort of thing. Mm. And obviously you did the writing books for children and young adults course twice. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, which is cool. Um, uh, what did you get out of that that has been valuable for, for your writing journey, for your writing career? Um, I think, well, firstly, it's being in the community because Mm, community is so important, isn't it? Oh, it's so important. And I didn't know anyone in the, um, well, I didn't know anyone who wrote children's books and I didn't know anyone in the publishing industry. So Mm. doing that course, I met other writers, the presenters, uh, you know, very well aware of the industry and know editors and all that sort of thing. So they can give you very good insight into what's involved. So that was probably the biggest thing. It opened that door into the community, which I just haven't left since. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm really trying, yeah, attend a lot of conferences and um, even just getting involved online, social media. There's a big presence um, mm. of the publishing industry on Twitter and that sort of thing. So it's just, it was like a, yeah, I feel like it was going through a door into another world. Yeah, and well, you're obviously well into that other world now because not only yeah. is Clark's Academy out, tell us you've got two more books that are definitely coming out and I have no doubt this is just going to be the start of a whole list of books. Tell us about the next two that are coming yes. out. Uh, so Something for Fleur is a picture book that's coming out in August this year which is a really sweet picture book about friendship and that's illustrated by Caitlin Murray. And I have a junior fiction novel coming out early next year called Meet the Maniacs and that's about a nine-year-old girl called Lolly who uncovers a huge family secret and that one's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, right. So where did the ideas for those ones come from? Um, so the Meet the Maniacs, the junior fiction, it's very much about family and that one came from, I started tracing my family's family tree, oh. which I, yeah, I'd never done it before. And, um, I have a friend that does it and I started asking her about it and thought, Oh, I want to give it a try and, uh, uncovered some different ancestral roots that I didn't realize we had. Hmm. So yeah, it's, it's come out of there. So I won't give too much away about the story, but that's, um, yeah, from Ancestry.com, funnily enough. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and the picture book was a story that I had started writing with my critique group and it's changed a lot. So there was different versions of it and I just kept going back to it and slowly tweaking it and, uh, it just got to a point where it just clicked mm. and I thought, Oh, this is good. So I, yeah, I sent it off, um, in a competition and it got quite good feedback and then I uh, later submitted it to my agent who took that one on as well. Now, tell us how you got your agent. Yes, so I went to the CYA conference, which is a uh, children's writing conference in Brisbane that happens every year and I really recommend it for any aspiring children's book authors. And there was an opportunity to pitch to agents and publishers. And I managed to secure a pitch with um, my agent, Alex Adset. And I had five minutes to, to <laughs> pitch my book, which is nothing. It really. Were you ready? Like, were you, did, had you prepared? I had prepared because <laughs> I knew I had to. Um, so I, it was over the phone. Actually, I don't oh. know if that still is the case. So it was a little bit different and probably a little bit more relaxing over the phone, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I, I pitched it and thankfully Alex really liked it and invited me to submit the full manuscript. And, uh, I was lucky enough that she was interested and there was someone else in her team that was really championing it. Uh, and they said that they felt like it needed a little bit more development in parts on character and plot and that sort of thing. So I happily took on that and resubmitted and then signed up. So it was fantastic. It was a really exciting day when that call came. That's awesome. Now, the order of your books is Quark's Academy, which is out now, and then Something for Fleur, and then what's the third one again? Meet the Maniacs. Meet the Maniacs. Did you write them in that order? Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, I said I wrote the picture book first, mm. and then uh, Meet the Maniacs also was a little bit different. The the ver- I had a different version of it that just wasn't quite working, uh, so I put that one away and I started writing Quark's Academy. And then I, there was a time where I was sort of going a little bit between the two, mm. um, but yeah, then Quark's Academy finished, and then. Um, Meet the Maniacs. Yeah, it's it's hard to remember the order now. It feels like it's mm-hmm. a bit of a blur. <laughs> yeah, sure. So you talked about the fact that you're in a writer's group. Now, can yes. you tell us when did you start, um, uh, how many people are in it, how regularly do you meet, and what actually happens? Well, the first writing group, I said the picture book group I joined, um, that was one that was already established. And it was funny because when I first thought about joining a writing group, I honestly thought it was the worst idea ever. I thought, why? Yeah. Well, I thought the idea of sitting around with strangers and Mm. sharing your work and having them tell you whether it was any good or not, what was terrifying. (laughs) And 
you know, I thought, I don't know if I want to do that, but I, I dragged myself there because I knew I needed that community support yeah. and I had heard it was a great way to do that, to find that. And I'm so glad I went because I was very wrong. It, it's mm-hmm. such a supportive environment and I just got so much benefit out of it and getting people's feedback and also me giving feedback because mm-hmm. you need to critique other people's work and that's great experience as well. So Generally, uh, there was about six people oh, yeah. uh, per meeting and then um, they meet once a month and mm-hmm. that's that's a picture book group one and then I later started the chapter book and that's also a monthly meeting and that's about four to six people as well mm-hmm. and we'll share a chapter um, at the start of the month and then everyone reads their, each, each other's chapters and yeah. then we'll meet and go around the circle and basically discuss the work. Right. So, yeah, it is, it is great and it, you just, you do get a lot from it. And it's also, you know, learning to, what to feedback to take on and what you maybe don't feel is quite right. It's, it's just a great experience to be honest. And tell us then what you're working on now. I'm yes, I am working on another one, a little bit of junior fiction. So that's the sort of a same age group as Meet the Maniacs, and I'm uh, that's a, another adventure style story. And I mentioned earlier I had that great next door neighbour, and we went on lots of adventures around our neighbourhood. So it's sort of been inspired from that. Mm. Um, but I'm actually in the process of the structural edit for Meet the Maniacs. I'm a bit tied up with that right now. Um, but once I submit that to the publisher, I'll be able to focus on on writing again. Yeah, awesome. And what's the grand master plan? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like obviously uh, you are still juggling. You're still um, writing as well as doing your day job. So, um, are you planning to continue with that? I've slowly scaled back my day job over yeah, the years. Right. So I've gone from five to four to three days now. Great. So. Yeah, and I do freelance as well, so mm-hmm. my schedule's quite hectic. But uh, yeah, I would love to write full time. That's definitely the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now this is my first book, obviously, and I'm you know, getting into the publicity side and hopefully visiting schools. And I'd like to do a lot more of that because that really interests me as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think it's just keep cracking away and keep writing and submitting and fingers crossed. I can I can write full time one day. Yeah, I have no doubt that day is going to be sooner than you think. What's your advice for aspiring writers who were where you were four years ago or five years ago or whatever, uh, and who are really interested in writing and but just can't see the breakthrough point at this point? Mm, be persistent is my biggest. Um, piece of advice. I think you just can't give up and rejection and, and, you know, sometimes criticism is just part of being a writer. And I've had like many, all the, all the great writers have had rejections. Every writer has rejections and I certainly did. And it can be a bit of a blow to your confidence, but you have to just, if it's something you're really passionate about and you want a book, that's how I was. I wanted it so much. I wanted to be published that you just have to pick yourself up and keep going. And mm. I, I think, you know, even once you publish, there's going to be 
you know, roadblocks and challenges and that sort of thing. So uh, us writers have to develop thick skins and I think it's a, a work in progress, but, um, but yeah, be persistent and, and just keep going. Awesome. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us today, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me, Valerie. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd like to write fiction for kids and teens, our five-week online course, Become a Children's Author, will help you get there faster. Find your voice, create characters, dialogue and plots to fit your age group and write compelling stories that young readers will love, all in a couple of hours a week. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning from anywhere and get your very own tutor providing personal feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. That's writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. There you go, Catherine Pelosi. Fantastic. And it's great to see um, that the books have been so well received. And I would just like to say, of course, that we do share a publisher in the wonderful Suzanne O'Sullivan Adashet's children's books. So, you know, it's got to be good, right? Fantastic. Yes. And it's just good to see how everything's taking off for her. Same thing happened with Shelley Unwin yeah. um, when she had her, you know, she her first picture book and then bang, 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 a whole heap were coming out after that as well. So great to see some of their graduates at the Australian Writers' Centre kicking some goals. So and what also, are you doing? I, just on that, yeah. wait a minute yes. before we go there, I yes. just want to say something on that because that, that okay. this is something that we do talk about and um, it's they're those two are probably fantastic examples. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that you you will often like write a manuscript and then you'll send it off and you've got to wait and wait and wait to hear back from various people, from agents, from publishers or whatever. And what everyone, like the, everyone says, get started on the next manuscript, right? And as a new author, it can sometimes be really difficult to take that advice because you're so stressed about waiting for this other manuscript that's out there in the ether being looked at by publishers and agents. But this is why, because when a publisher um, is, is interested enough in your work to take on your first novel, for example, or your first series or whatever, they will say, or an agent, they will say to you, what else have you got? And what you want to be able to say is, well, here's my chapter book and there's my picture book and here's my such and such. Have something else to show them because it just saves you so much time in the long run to have work ready to go. So, yeah, so if you've got something out on submission or you're thinking about it, I know it's difficult because you're waiting and you're stressing, but get started on something else. Absolutely. Great advice. All right, let's move on. We're almost at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing the coming week, Al? Well, I'm going to be thinking very hard about what I'm going to be doing to promote the book of answers. So that will be one thing. But I'm also, yeah, I'm working on, well, write a book with Al is still going on, going on and going strong. So if you are... Awesome. Um, 
working on a manuscript or you just want some inspiration or some motivation to get going, jump on that hashtag, hashtag write a book with Al and join me in writing my new manuscript. Um, And also most of the action is actually on my Facebook page at Alison Tate Writer. So um, maybe join up there and that way you'll get to see all the posts and comments and things like that with everyone cheerleading everyone else on. Um, So I'm doing that and, um, yeah, I'm I'm actually working on a new course for you, Valerie, which, of course, we can't discuss just yet. But yay. Not yay. just yet, um, but yay on that. And, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm up to. What about you? What are you doing this week? Um, well, we are expanding. So we're actually looking for a new team member, um, somebody who's great with admin and customer service. And so, yeah, in case anyone's interested, I will put the link in the podcast community as well. But also, um, I'm just excited to be heading to Brisbane to see everyone up there. So, uh, make sure you reach out and let me know if you've RSVP'd to the, um, to the talk. Um, where do we find you online, Al? You will find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T. You will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you will find me at my home on the internet, alisontate.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T. What about you, Val? Where do we find you? Awesome. You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, of course, connect with us uh, in the Facebook group, So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community, and you'll find all of the show notes at soyouwanttobeariter.com.au. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.